0: Wherever the bass player is, is it okay if I borrow this? Okay, sorry. All right, thanks. Need two. First time I used these things, I thought there was some special gadget or whatever like that, and then someone showed me, You just go like that. Okay. That post-secondary paid off, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I was just sharing with uh, Nate uh, the fellow last week that spoke, he got to preach on four verses. I get to look at 32. (laughs) Sure, that was just a fluke. Um, Poor Nate, but God bless him. Uh, when I sent him my my outline and my points, I sent Luke 22, 7 to 38. What I'm actually speaking on is Luke 21, 7 to 38. Uh, I didn't pick up on this, but Nate, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have been reading Luke 21, and we would have had some really interesting looks on faces <laughs> in, the, uh, in the audience today. So, good morning, Maple Ridge Alliance. Uh, we're looking at Luke 21, 7 to 38. Uh, I'm not going to read all of these verses. Uh, this passage... Is like a porterhouse steak. There is a ton to chew on and a ton to digest. Uh, and anytime we're talking about Jesus' return and when he comes back, I won't say it creates controversy, but not everybody believes the exact same way how that's gonna happen. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and push what I believe on you. Uh, we will weave all those different beliefs into the message. Uh, but that is not the point. We're going to look at this passage. And, and Jesus, in this passage, he weaves a whole bunch of things into it. Uh, the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem, the signs of the age, and his coming again. Again. That's all woven together uh, in this passage. And uh, before we dig in, we're going to pray. Father, just thank you for this opportunity. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the first time that he came. Humbly and going to a cross and bearing the full punishment for all of our sins on that cross. And rising again from the dead. That through faith in him we can be saved. Father, we thank you that Jesus is coming back again, as he said. And Father, I just ask that you would speak to all of us uh, from your word today. Uh, stamp it in our hearts, ingrain it in there, and, and, and help us to put feet to it. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start actually at, uh, at verse 5, because there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a good connect point there. Uh, Some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple. And the memorial decorations on the walls. So basically the disciples were ooh and ah about what the temple looked like. And how awesome it was. And how fascinating it was. And Jesus, without missing a beat... (laughs) Look what he says in verse, in verse 6. The time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. So he kind of cut into the disciples ooing and eyeing about this big physical structure that was the temple. And he just flat out says, yeah, there's a time coming when... It's not going to be there like it's it's just going to be leveled And the title of the message is Jesus addresses the future and 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 the bulk of this passage is is the what? What is he addressing and that's where he weaves in all these different things that 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 are going to happen The temple in Jesus day was the center of Jewish life it was the absolute hub the absolute center of Jewish life in Jesus' day. And of course the disciples show that as they're in awe and just talking about how awesome it is. But again, I love Jesus' response. In 1 Samuel 16:7, we're told that man looks on the outward appearance but God looks at what's going on inside of the heart. The temple was magnificent, no doubt about it, and it looked fantastic. But if you go back Earlier in the Gospels, you find Jesus going in there and basically clearing it out. Because anything but worship of God was going on there. There was money making and selling and ripping people off. And he came in and he cleared it out. Because it's a place of prayer. Again, on the outside it looked good. What was going on on the inside was not good. And this is Jesus responding to their disciples' occupation with how fantastic the temple looked. And he says, it's going to be destroyed. And in AD 70, Roman general Titus completely leveled the Temple of Jerusalem and completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem. An awful, terrible time. The only thing that remains today is is the mound. That the temple was built on and you might be familiar with its name today it's called the wailing wall which is where the people go and you'll see them to put little pieces of paper in the cracks prayers that's the only thing that's left from the temple and Jesus bounces back and forth here verses 5 to 19 uh, verse 27 verse 20 to 23 uh, he talks about the what the temple's going to be destroyed. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. The signs of the age. And I am coming back again. That's all in, uh, all in those verses. Titus surrounded the city. As we look at verse 20. The what? Titus surrounded the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Uh, no one could get out. Couldn't get food, couldn't get water. So absolute panic ensued. And Titus went in and killed thousands upon thousands of Jews. Almost 100,000 were taken into captivity all through the Roman Empire. And we're not here to do a history lesson, but it's a picture. Because these things happened exactly as Jesus said they would happen. And the people that Jesus was speaking to in the passage, many of them would still be living 36 years later when this happened. Jesus is coming back one day. We're all still here. We don't know when. We haven't been given that. But the what... The what here is the temple being destroyed, Jerusalem being destroyed. And then Jesus just sort of gives some general general kind of signs of the, of the age. Talks about false messiahs and, 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 and famines and wars and, and, and whatnot. Uh, we see that today too. The things that were going on in Jesus' day, they've gone on all through history. We see them today. I guess i date myself if I say, if we pick up a newspaper, if you click on your phone, <laughs> there, that's better, uh, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. Uh, we, we've advanced technologically, but as human beings, that same issue that we all struggle with, which is a sin nature, unless Christ has a hold of that, that hasn't changed. And when we see that being played out, daily, in our world. And again, exactly as Jesus said it would happen. He talks about things that people were going to be persecuted and thrown in prison for their faith, killed for their faith. In this part of the world, for the most part, we, we don't see that happening. In other parts of the world, uh, Christian brothers and sisters, they're they're being tortured, they're being put in prison, they're being killed because they're living their faith in Christ and they're sharing their faith in Christ. I I would even go so far as to say that right now here in BC, persecution is probably a strong word. I'll I'll use the word harassed (laughs) for our faith, okay? We, we, We aren't where... A good chunk of the world is with that. But Jesus goes through these signs of the age that were happening in his day and have happened all the way up through to where we are now. As Jesus' return gets closer, these things that have been part of the age since Jesus' time are going to intensify. They're going to grow. Um. So yes, we can say, yeah, they've always been happening. But as the return of Jesus gets closer, these things are going to intensify. And again, I'm not going to go into, uh, the, you know, the, the, the crazy things that are going on in the weather, you know, the UFOs, whatever, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that these things are happening, and as Christ approaches... They're going to intensify. And it's interesting to note that apart from John, the disciple, tradition says all the apostles were martyred for their faith before AD 70 when this happened. Only John lived uh, in exile until he was about 95 years old. And of course, he, he was given the, uh, the privilege of writing down the last book of the Bible, which is Revelation. That, that would be something to take in for anybody at any age to, to sit and have, have Jesus say, okay, right, this, this is what's going to happen. So it's the what, the what, and, and the picture of the temple being destroyed and Jerusalem being destroyed. That was a local thing. That was a local thing. It was a city in a country. But it's a picture for us of what's going to happen on a global event as Christ comes back. So it was to the people of Israel specifically, but it's, it's for us today. And, and, and the things that Jesus focuses on here is not so much the what, but I'm going to touch on this in a few minutes. Is just the... Our response, what do we do with this? How do we respond to this? The return of Jesus is not a maybe, it's not a perhaps, it's not a possibly, it's a definite. And it will happen exactly the way that Jesus says it will. The temple, destruction of Jerusalem is just a little snapshot of a lot of what will be going on before Jesus returns. This brings me to the when, and this is where we have fun, right? I remember a few years ago, and I can't remember when, I remember the date, May 21st, because it's my sister's birthday. I'm driving to the Pitt River Bridge, and there's this big sign, Jesus is coming back May 21st, and I'm like... Because every time a date has been predicted, it's come and it's gone, and here we are. Uh, and, and, and that does absolutely nothing <laughs> to, to, to further the cause of Christ. Uh, it, it, it probably gives people strength to say, yeah, they're a little nuts. They said this was going to happen, and it's come and gone. Uh, it, it's a waste of time. In the case of Jesus' return... The when, and again, he doesn't give a date, July 23rd, 2023, oh, uh, yeah, I got you there, no, he doesn't give a date, we're not given that, destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, date wasn't given, it's going to happen, but he does say, when, the word when appears a couple of times here. And verse 28. So when all these things begin to happen, and look at this part, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. That's awesome. And in verse 31, in the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. We're not given a date. He answers the when question. As you see all this stuff going on, and it's intensifying, and and more and more, look up. Because it's near. And, And so he answers the when. The first time Jesus came, it was in full humility. Baby, born in a manger, in a stable. Second time he comes, It's going to be in full power, full power, and everybody is going to see it. There's a story by Warren Wiersbe, who is a commentator and a pastor, and he tells about a friend who worked, uh, who was working and ministering in uh, in Poland, in Eastern Europe. And the friend tells about a Polish believer coming up to him and saying, yeah, we're praying for you Western Christians, because you've got it too easy. And, and do we go through hardship? Yep. Does stuff happen that, 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 that causes us pain? Yep. But if we compare where we're at right now, again, what's happening to, to, to Christians in other parts of the world, they're getting persecuted. We're getting harassed, mocked. You're a Christian, you believe that stuff? And a lot of times that's sort of the extent of the hardship as a Christian that we go through. 2 Peter 3, and I won't read these verses, but the first 16 verses, uh, Peter talks about Jesus coming back and the fact that people scoff. Uh, You've been talking about that forever. He still hasn't come back yet. And in verse 8 of 2 Peter 3, Peter says, A day is like a thousand years with the Lord. and A thousand years like a day. God's not slow concerning his promise. And the best part is verse 9. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If someone were to ask me, well, how come it hasn't happened yet? Time's been going on forever here. I would point them to verse 9. The reason, one of the reasons, that Jesus has not come back yet is because God is giving time to people to get saved. To turn their lives around and give them to Christ and get a new life from Christ. That's one of the reasons, because it's right in Scripture. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. And again, Matthew 25, 36, Mark 13, 32. These are sort of the the, the parallel passages to this passage in Luke. Tells us that we need to be ready because nobody knows when this is going to happen. Only God does. So be ready. And again, it's a waste of time trying to predict when this is going to happen. Uh, and please, don't, don't go so far as to put a big billboard up with a date and say, this is when it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Now I was talking to George Dick before. Where is he? <laughs> hey, George. Oh, don't worry. I'm not just, I was, just tell, I was telling people that I was talking to you before the service. Um, there are a lot of different views regarding how this all is going to happen what it's going to look like when it's going to happen but regardless of whether you are a christian who believes that the church will be raptured out of here and then the great tribulation will happen that is my own personal belief But I'm not going to push that on you. (laughs) Whether you are a Christian who believes it's going to be one simultaneous event. Now there's fancy theological terms for what I'm saying. I'm going to skip those. Uh, Whether you're a Christian who believes that the church is going to march through the tribulation. Or whether you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ. He's not part of your life. The bottom line is this. Jesus Christ is coming back. Are you ready? That's what Jesus is getting across here. These things are going to happen. Are you ready? This leads me to the last point. Jesus addresses our response. Verses 34 to 38. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware, like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape those coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Every day Jesus went to the temple to teach, and each evening he returned to spend the night on the Mount of Olives. The crowds gathered at the temple early each morning to hear him. And I believe that's because what he was saying is true. What he's saying is true. The word watch here means to be awake, to be alert. Don't get caught off guard. It's very easy to get bogged down with the cares, the worries, and the stuff of this world. Too easy sometimes. When it comes to being alert, uh, I was reminded of uh, when I was a youth pastor years ago... Uh, I went to an event in Washington called uh, Creation Fest. Anybody heard of that? Oh, there we go. Got a quorum again. Awesome. Um, We went down, and of course, it's like 45 degrees Celsius, (laughs) right in the shade. Um, But we had to get up really early, and I mean really early, to leave. And the night before, like we were watching, and some of you will know these bands, some of you... Won't that's okay. Um, we were like skillet and audio adrenaline, um, newsboys, um, spunky, funky, heavy beat. Okay, and and you know you, you, you meander back to your tent uh, at about you know one in the morning, and you're up at five in the morning. So I coffeed myself as much as I could. Anybody familiar with driving in Stevens Pass? Yeah. Uh, anyways, it's got two lanes, going this way, when I went anyways, and two lanes going this way. I was in the far right lane, driving. When I woke up, I was in the far lane coming this way, coming down. Now, it was 5.30 in the morning, so there was no, no other traffic. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, but that was the complete opposite of being alert. Okay? Awake. Alert. Don't get caught off guard. Stand firm. Keep alert at all times. I'm going to share another story with you. I don't know who, I don't know who wrote it. When I looked it up. It just said anonymous. Anonymous is pretty famous because he or she has written a lot of good stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was a vulture Flying. Vultures are cool, because they're bald. Uh, <laughs> but it was flying along. And on the river below, there was a piece of ice floating down the river. And on this piece of ice was a dead animal carcass. Which, if you know anything about buzzards or vultures, <sighs> put on the bib and here we go. So he floats down, lands on this piece of ice, and just, oh, the feast is on. And he looks up, sees, oh, he's about 100 yards away from a waterfall. Oh, but this is so good. Looks, okay, 100 yards away, keeps eating, but still keeping his eye on the waterfall. 50 yards away. Looks up, okay, keeps eating. 25 yards away, oh, I gotta have a couple more bites. Keeps eating, watching. 10 yards away, keeps eating. Looks up, okay, one more bite, one more bite. And he's almost there, oh, I gotta go. He goes to leave, his feet are frozen to the ice. Off he goes, over the waterfall. Now I realize that's a real corny story. But believe it or not, there is truth in there. Don't get caught up with what's going on in the world, with the stuff of the world. Don't get caught off guard. Be prepared. Keep alert, Jesus says here. Oh, and what's the other word he uses here? Oh, yeah. pray. Prayer. Uh, I'm going to ask you another question, and I do not want a show of hands. In doing so, as I ask this question, uh, it is under great (laughs) personal conviction. How many of us would say we pray enough? Okay, even if I asked you to raise your hands, I'm pretty sure that none of us would raise our hands. Would we say we pray too much? I don't think there is such a thing. We can always pray. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray for strength. Strength to endure, to finish the race strong, especially in light of what Jesus is addressing and unfolding for us here in this passage. To those who are Christians here, to those who belong to Jesus and have Jesus in their life, we need to be about the life of that God, through Christ, saved us too. It's a new life that worships God and puts Him first, that serves God, that loves God, that serves and loves others, that is humble and compassionate, that walks in the Spirit, that shares the gospel with others, and that prays and intercedes for others. To those here who do not know or belong to Jesus, I I would... Humbly implore you to, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus Christ is coming back again. Be ready. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you again for Jesus. And Father, if if, if we belong to Jesus, thank you for the hope that we serve a risen Savior, one who is coming back again in full power to take us to be with him forever. Father, I pray for those here who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that they would take advantage of right now, and get squared their life with you, and decide their eternity with you, and bring Jesus Christ into their lives. Father, give us strength to persevere as we see the world increasingly uh, turning its back on you and the things of you and doing its own thing its own way. Give us strength to endure Help us to live that new life that we have in Jesus Christ before others. And help us to share this good news with others. That in sharing, you might bring many to salvation. Thank you for this time, Father. Ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.